Inspiration. Turn up the motivation. You're on the Ziggler Inspire Podcast. Zig Ziggler wants you to be your best. Welcome to Zig Ziglar's Inspire Podcast. This is your host, Blake Lindsay. I am so excited to tell you about Zig's newest book, Born to Win. It takes his 40 plus years of wisdom and condenses it into one easy to read book. It has his signature style of humor and stories to show you how to apply to your own life. His life-changing principles. This is Zig's last book, and it's his best. I hope you will order yours today by going to www.ziggler. That's Z-I-G-L-A-R dot com. Today, we are going to sit in the sales classroom and learn from master sales teacher Zig Ziglar. He has a lot of information to share about honing your closing instinct. So let's listen together to Zig Ziglar. My good friend and colleague, Mike Frank, who was also another man, along with John Hammond and two others who were enormously helpful to me in my career and in this book, has made by actual count over 19,000 warm calls. Uh, Negative people call them cold calls. Mike calls them warm calls. And here's what he says. The key to successfully dealing with averages is to, one, make enough calls or presentations. And I think you'll agree his 19,000 is enough. To be as effective as possible on every call. And a three, to make mental and written notes on every call as to what you did right, what you could have done better, and how can you make your next presentation more effective. Which leads us into what I call the next one close. Let me ask you a question. What would you like to have happen on your next sales call? Anybody? Say it. You'd like to say it. Now what about the one after that? And the one after that? And the one after that? And the one after that? Why you have no interest whatever in the law of averages. You're, you're, you're just, like the, uh, just like the old farmer down home. He did not want all of the land, but he did want the land which was next to his. As I look into your eyes in this live audience, I don't see any greedy people here. You don't want to sell everybody, but you do want to sell the next one, don't you? All right. Since you want to sell the next one, then what this is all about really is how do you sell the next one? Well, to begin with, you start with trust and you finish with trust. I don't want to offend anybody here, but I could take a 12-year-old and teach them the presentations which you are now using. I could spend time with them and teach them how to handle every objection which you encounter. I really could. As a matter of fact, I've done it in times gone past. But can you imagine the trust or credibility of a 12-year-old on a real estate presentation? As he says to the prospect, well, now, this price of this is $96,500. And our market research indicates that in this neighborhood, we've had an average compound growth or increase in price of slightly over 5% a year. That means, can't you just imagine a a 45-year-old couple sitting there and a 12-year-old child is making this presentation and they're saying, yes, son, that's exactly right. Yeah, I believe we'll take it after all. Now, it's not that the child would not be honest, but there's a credibility gap. The most important persuasion tool you have in your entire arsenal is your integrity. 
And your persuasive ability will be infinitely improved if you can honestly say, I'm the right kind of a person in the world of selling. I believe personally that credibility is the most important factor. You remember, the fear of loss is greater than the desire for gain. And most people buy the old adage that you can't make a good deal with a bad guy. You just can't do it. I learned that when I was a child, and it has saved me an enormous amount of money over the years. You can't make a good deal with a bad guy. Let me ask those of you in this live uh, audience, and those of you who are listening to this in the recording, you answer the question too. In the Tulsa area, which is where we are at this moment, what is the average commission that you make on the sales you almost make? I mean, they don't pay you anything? Nothing? I'm talking about now, if you really get close, I mean the prospect has the pen in hand, and actually, they don't give you anything at all for that. No kidding. That's the way they do it in Dallas. And that's the way they handle it in Tampa. That's the way they handle it in Albuquerque and in Denver. Isn't it the most frustrating thing in the world for you as a salesperson to get so close? Oh, you can smell it. You can taste it. You can feel it. You can touch it. Oh, it's there. But somehow or another, you don't quite make it. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever gone in to your manager and said to him, you know, this is one of the toughest sales I have ever made in my life. As a matter of fact, I came within a whisper of not making it. Oh, I almost missed it. Now, because I almost missed it, I don't really think I'm entitled to full commission on this one. Why don't you just cut my commission half in two? I know you do that real often, don't you? Okay. Now, what is all of this about? What I'm saying is the difference between barely making it and barely missing it is about that much everywhere except at the commission statement point. And then it gets to be dramatically different. And see, everybody works on a commission. Whether you're on salary or commission, you're on commission. Because, my friend, if you don't perform, then pretty soon that salary is going to stop. So whether you're on salary or commission, you are, in fact, on commission. And credibility is the most important thing. Now, there's a lot of psychology involved, and I don't claim to be a psychologist. But you need to know some of the basic principles, and that's the reason that we cover so much of it here. Now, if you've ever closed a sale, I'm not going to teach you how to close. What I will attempt to do is improve your closing percentage. Because if we can change that percentage by just 10%, if you will visualize what that will mean to you, and I'm fervently convinced that unless you're selling more than about 80% of your prospects, that we can increase it at least 10%. And let's set up a hypothetical example. Let's say you're in the world of direct selling and you call on a thousand prospects a year. You're currently selling 50% of them. If we can improve that to 60%, that other 10% will involve 100 more sales, but it'll increase your income more than 20%. For the simple reason your expenses remain exactly the same and all of that gets to be net income. And that's a major, major difference. Need to understand three very important things. Number one, good closing comes from good selling, and good selling comes from good people. So the question you ask yourself, am I good people? Number two, this series is designed to help you develop what I call a closing instinct. And number three, you will learn many specific new closes. 
When I talk about the closing instinct, it's a sixth sense which will be developed over a period of time and you become an assistant buyer. Incidentally, I keep saying closing because closing is the glamour part of selling. But I want to also stress that closing is no more important than prospecting. If you don't have a prospect, how are you going to close? Closing is no more important than making appointments. If you don't have the appointment, how are you going to close? Closing is no more important than telling a persuasive story. Uh, you can't make them buy with a close. You create the desire by letting them see the benefits. You've got to have a good presentation. And yet closing gets all the attention because it's the glamour part of selling. That is the bottom line. But let me tell you, in addition to this information, you also need information along the other lines. But because closing is payday, and a lot of people have so much confusion about it, and too many people don't really know enough about it, that's the reason we give as much attention here as we do. I've had so many salespeople say, well, I can get prospects, I can get appointments, I can uh, tell a good story, but in other words, I'm a good salesman, but I just can't close the sale. John M. Wilson, who wrote the book on selling, simply said this. He said, anybody who cannot close is not a salesman. You can say anything else you want to, but they literally are not a salesman. You cannot be a good salesman unless you can close. When you get the prospect, now you're on first base. When you get the appointment, you're on second base. When you tell a good story, you're on third base, and so far nobody's made a dime. And the prospect has not benefited at all. You've got to get them home in order for it to be profitable. To close, to continue the analogy, in baseball, for example, you can hit the ball out of the park. But if you don't touch all of the bases, then you are still not going to score. In selling, you can do everything right, but unless you close the sale, there's going to be no payday. To continue this analogy, the score is important because it converts invested time to profitable time. But I insist the close is no more important or no less important than the other things. Closing basically is an attitude. There's a difference in results when you have those little things working for you. Things like a good shine on your shoes, the well-pressed suit. The skirt of the dress, which is neat. The neatness of your hair, the way your tie blends and is tied. Whether you're neat and clean shaven, whether your makeup is fresh and properly applied, whether you're overdressed or underdressed, whether you're smiling and courteous, on time, thoughtful and considerate of your prospect's time, whether you're smoking or chewing gum, whether you're organized and practice good human relations with follow-up reminders and thank you notes, and countless other little things. That'll make the difference in making the sale or missing the sale. I'm not telling you anything at this point that most of you do not already know. But I'm going to insist we need to be reminded of these things in order to stay professional. The list is endless, but in the final analysis, more often than not, it's one or more of the little things which communicate to your prospect that you believe in what you're doing, that you're interested in serving him, that you do feel you're offering the best product or service at the best price, and it will be in his best interest to buy. When you get it all together, again, the question is not, will I succeed, but when will the success come and in what quantity? The question comes up, when should I close? The first thing I learned in the world of selling, and I started in direct sales in the cookware business, first thing I was told that I remember was we'd have a meeting and they'd say, you close early, 
You close often and you close late. How many of you have been told that in the world of selling? Close early, close often, and close late. Well, that's two-thirds right. The wrong part, as far as I'm concerned, is to be absolutely certain that you do not close too early. Now, what is too early? Too early is when you attempt to close before you have established value. If you close before or attempt to close before you've established value, then you come across as a high-pressure individual who wants to get the sale so you can terminate this interview and get on and see another prospect. You're really saying, I'm not really interested in you. I am interested in me making the sale so I can go somewhere else. Now, if you try to close too early and fail, then the prospect now throws up that little wall. And it's going to be far more difficult to scale that wall than had you not been a little more careful and established value before you attempted to close the sale. Your prospect, regardless, and this also is what I call a profound statement, your prospect, regardless of the product you sell, buy the benefits to them which your product offers. In short, when you convince the prospect that your product scratches where he itches, he'll buy. When you make him itch for ownership, he'll scratch around until he comes up with the money. That's a fact. When do you make the effort to close the sale? When I was in the life insurance business, we had what we call the two-call procedure. And in the two-call procedure, we would go on the first call and we would use it as a fact-finding interview. Get the financial data, find out what the individual wanted in life, what some of their plans were and so forth. And then we came back with an extremely elaborate proposal. And when we came back with the proposal, the first thing we did was to let them know that we were there to make the sale. We did not attempt to close it at that point, but we let them know. Now, how did we do it? This way. I took uh, the proposal out, and it was, as I say, fairly elaborate. It was in a neat little folder there, and looked like it had about 15 pages, and that's about what it did have in it. And I would take a blank sheet of paper, and I'd say to the prospect, Mr. Prospect, as you can see, I have in front of me a blank sheet of paper. Now, obviously, there's nothing on it for you either to understand or to misunderstand. It is clear. It is plain. Over here, I have the proposal. Now, it's fairly elaborate. And my plans are simply these. To explain this proposal in such a way that it will be just as clear and just as plain as this blank sheet of paper. And if I fail to make the proposal just as plain and just as clear as the blank sheet of paper, I will understand any reluctance on your part to make a decision. Then, Mr. Prospect, I'll also say this. If I can make this extremely plain to you, and if you become convinced in your own mind that it is in your best interest to make a decision this evening, a yes decision, I'm going to ask you to do so. If, on the other hand, you don't believe it is in your best interest to say yes, I'm also going to ask you to say no. And then the close. We call it the, is that fair enough close? The question is simple. Is that fair enough? Now, in my mind, that is so beautiful and so clear. When I started doing that in the life insurance business, 
Not only did my closing percentage increase at least 10%, but my volume went up rather substantially because we virtually eliminated any additional calls. And by doing it that way, not only did I get better acceptance from the prospects, but my time was far more effectively used. The most important factor in being a successful salesperson is credibility. So let me ask you this. Does your reputation go before you on your sales calls? In other words, are you known as the salesperson that shoots straight? Zig says that good selling comes from good people. If you've been a regular listener of the Inspire podcast, you have heard all kinds of good information on how to be a trustworthy person. So this week, go out and sell with integrity and confidence and close more of the close ones. And don't forget to get your copy of Zig's new book, Born to Win to help you to plan, prepare, and expect to win in your life. Go to Ziggler.com to purchase your book. Until next week, this is Blake Lindsay encouraging you to live your life to the fullest. Ziggler. Ziggler. Inspiring true performance. Most Americans at New Year's are thinking about improving their health and losing some weight. In regards to eating, the feeling is generally it's going to cost more money, more stress and effort, and you got to eat bland food. Well, a solution to all these is HelloFresh. HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. You skip trips to the grocery store. You can count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's literally number one meal kit. You can make saving time a viable resolution with quick, convenient recipes. They're delivered right to you. You just choose your meals and select your delivery date. And HelloFresh handles the meal planning and shopping. So you just open your weekly box of pre-portioned ingredients and step-by-step recipes. And you're cooking quickly with ease and joy. My family loves HelloFresh. We just open the box, follow the recipes, and have something new and interesting and good for us. It's become one of our family's favorite activities together. So go to HelloFresh.com slash free. And use code drive free for free breakfast for life. You get one breakfast item per box while your subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash drive free with code drive free. HelloFresh, it's America's number one meal kit.